Hello, it's Jack Tudor here of Attention Magazine. Welcome to Crucial Listening, the podcast where I speak to musicians and sound artists about the three records that are important to them. My guest this time is Jessica Moss, a Montreal-based violinist who's best known for her work in Silver Mount Zion, but she released an album earlier this year called Pools of Light on Constellation Records, and it's incredible. I've been having the best time digging into that over the past few months. I also had my experience of that record seriously enriched by seeing Jessica perform the first half of the album called Entire Populations live at Supersonic Festival in Birmingham. She was amazing, and it was so nice to see that track assembling itself in real time. Actually, at Supersonic Festival, she also performed with Lani Akia, um, who are a supergroup, I'm going to say, uh, completed by Daniel O'Sullivan and Massimo Pupillo. They were amazing. They've just recorded an album, uh, which should be coming out soon, hopefully. And if it's anything like the live performance, that's going to be awesome. So Jessica was so much fun. I really enjoyed this conversation. Go check out Jessica's music on jessicamoss.net and please enjoy this conversation. And so without further ado, here's my conversation with Jessica Moss for Crucial Listening. Jessica Moss, welcome to Crucial Listening. Thank you so much. I'm very happy to be here. Now, you've had what seems like a busy summer from the outside, a pretty awesome summer, kicking off, I guess, with your album release in May, was it? Early May? Mm-hmm, yep. And then coming over to the UK and playing a whole variety of shows, um, one of which I saw at Supersonic, which was amazing. Um How's it been? How have you found uh, the past few months since the album release? <laughs> I just, I'm going to m- use the most typical word here and say it's been a whirlwind, but it really does <laughs> feel like a whirlwind. I feel like I'm just like, what? Okay. I, <laughs> am I doing this right? I don't know. <laughs> like, I feel totally, <laughs> I, it's, it seems strange that after so many years of being part of record releases that so much of releasing a record would be um, new to me, but, but being solo is just, there's there's so many things that um are different so i do feel like in some ways a novice even though in some ways a veteran and uh and the part that i'm all the parts that i'm learning for the first time i just have to be doing it fast and on the run and i don't know i couldn't be more pleased and feel more grateful with how everything has gone actually so it was not 
ever my really in my life ever really my intention to do solo stuff. So the fact that I'm here now having this conversation is um, it just never ceases to amaze and amaze me and make me feel like, wow, I'm just so lucky. It's not even funny. Because <laughs> <how> I, <laughs> I guess like, um, I mean, maybe this is true of some of your previous collaborations, but with um, solo, I imagine the logistics of going from having a record and being like, right, okay, let's now make this a performance or uh, I have to confess, I don't know which way around you did it, but it sounds like you kind of mm-hmm. composed the constituent elements of the album and then like, you know, use some, like threaded them together in the studio. But uh, how... Well- Actually, I, it's there. There, it isn't quite like that. You want, you want to hear? <laughs> I, I do. Instead of I, hypothesizing, I could ask the person themselves. <laughs> yeah, just text me. I'll let you know. <laughs> it's, it's funny because it's actually it's exactly half what you said and half the exact opposite. Um, the first half of the record, entire populations, I conceived of um i don't say wrote because i don't actually write anything because i don't actually know how to do that so uh most of the time that i'm playing or making things up i don't actually have a a clue what note i'm playing or anything like that it's all like by my ear and by my mind but entire populations was conceived of in that way i mean i i composed it quote unquote uh in the jam space and i created it as a piece to perform from beginning to end far before i ever recorded it so i was performing it before i recorded it um so it's something that i play i could play from well i you saw it all right did i play that one in supersonic yeah i think i did anyway uh yeah so that that existed before pre-record um and it was the sort of second major long third actually major long piece that I had quote unquote written like that. So when I went to the studio, I just, I, I basically just, I, I broke it up into pieces so I could get a best version of it. Cause one thing about doing things the way I do things is that it's never perfect because there's always some kind of, um, some kind of unknown factor being thrown up from the pedals that I use or the atmosphere or the lights or whatever. There's always something going on that sort of changes the piece from night to night. But uh, so in in the studio, I made a perfect quote unquote version of it. And the other side, Glaciers, I did sort of make as I composed elements um, in in editing. So I had all these different pieces and I knew what I was meant to be communicating and I knew I wanted to write a love songs to melting glaciers. That's how I think of them. And I sort of gathered all these things that I had, all these little pieces that I had put into the world that I gathered them back in and created a landscape that way. So one half, yes, one half, no. <laughs> uh, and and Glaciers to this day has only been performed twice live. And I did it with my sister here in Montreal, actually. She's an, also a beautiful musician. And I, and I got her to play it because uh, there's so far too many elements for me to figure out how to perform properly live. So I think I will, though. I'm working on it, working on how to do it solo for next tour. How did it work out as a collaboration? Were you happy with the, the result of playing that live? So happy because I also kind of (laughs) almost like the solo work that I kind of accidentally fell into and then couldn't stop doing. I kind of accidentally fell into making a video um, to accompany the second half of the record. So I worked for like kind of weeks, like a 
maniac on, <laughs> on this video editing program that I was learning as I went so that I could do exactly this thing I had in my mind. And so the sort of the launch shows that I did in Montreal, Toronto and New York involved this. Actually, I didn't use it in New York, but in Montreal, Toronto, I, uh, I had this video and I had my sister perform with me and, um, I couldn't have been happier. My sister and I have sort of played music in parallel ways for most of our lives, but we've only truly collaborated one time. We had a short-lived band, which it was really good, in my opinion. (laughs) (laughs) And then she moved away from the city. Right as soon as we finally figured out our perfect collaboration, she left Montreal for a few years. So anyway, so yes, of course, it was wonderful to play with her, and I hope I get to do it again. And all in all, I've been really extremely surprised and pleased by how well performing has gone as solo and also that one those two times with as a as a duo and i guess you've kind of been now living with this material for so long i mean i see as well you're i mean you're still performing now and i see as well you're coming back over to europe as Mm -hmm. well next month Mm -hmm. um do you feel differently about it it sounds like as you said it changes from night to night but overall yeah does how has your relationship with the material progressed that's a nice question actually i mean i guess because i've been playing in bands forever like i i'm very familiar and even let's say skilled at sort of finding new love for for pieces that you play night after night after night you know like touring has been part of my life for so long and i touring often means performing the same material um, for long periods of time. And in my main band, Mount Zion, maybe similarly to what I have find myself making, there's so many sort of ins and outs and so many moments to, to be involved in, in a way, if that makes sense. Uh, it never becomes rote, that rote as an R-O-T-E. I don't know if that translates if I say it out loud but yeah it never becomes something that just is what I'm doing you know mm-hmm. it's always something I'm involved with sort of something I'm grappling with and sometimes like at supersonic you probably don't know this because nobody usually knows this but like there was a moment at that in that particular show where uh like my toe touched the wrong tiny part of one of my pedals and it like gave me something that I'd never heard before and I had to sort of battle it down. That's how I imagine it sort of like taking it and being like, okay, here you are, you know, and like, I've got all this live looping going on. And then there's this thing that, uh, that's like there and I have to sort of creatively figure out how to, you know, subtly <laughs> deal with it and put it back in where, you know, where it came from so that I can continue the story I'm telling. So these things happen kind of regularly. So there's always like a kind of terrifying element and there's also always like I'm never in front of an audience feeling anything but a very gigantic respect and relationship to the people in that room like I don't ever take it for granted first of all and I don't ever take it lightly and I every time I can if I'm able to raise my eyes from the crazy shit I'm doing (laughs) down on the floor and I see that somebody's there listening. I think like, I can't even believe, like, it's just so amazing to me to be sharing space like that. And I know it's not the most, uh, 
probably <laughs> business friendly aspect of me, but I really, I like really enjoy playing really small shows, uh, with people that I can actually feel like we're really involved in something together. Uh, and so, so I, that's a very long winded answer to your question. What's my relationship with it? My relationship with it is that I'm still like, I still love to tell these stories that I made and they really do sort of depend on the evening. And, uh, and sometimes it's much harder. Sometimes it's much more, sometimes it flows. Sometimes it's like exciting. Sometimes things happen. I don't expect sometimes it goes perfectly and I can't even believe it because it happens. So, rarely. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, it, it never becomes just something I'm doing. That's, I guess the, the short version of it. Mm, it was so great to see you at supersonic. And I loved the room I think was awesome to see you in as well because it was one of those where there wasn't an elevated stage and um mm -hmm. being able to see what you were doing and see this piece um for, for me like the music you you feel the process happening um and the assembly happening but to see it as well was like oh wow it felt really yeah. special that's so cool. That makes me so happy to hear. That's that's all I could dream <laughs> of, of, of having it be feeling, you know, is, is if it somehow feels like if you can witness the process and also be be in it, that's as an audience, you know, that I feel like you mean myself as an audience. I That's my favorite thing about being somewhere is just watching somebody it's like conjuring you know like watching somebody who really cares and is really trying and uh, that this sort of other thing happens when they come combined of the performer and the audience like elevates it you know yeah as well to go through um, that process and then i um looked in the program and i'd mm. seen um i might get the pronunciation wrong feel free to jump in but i'd seen lania kia on the mm -hmm. lineup, but I wasn't familiar with who was involved. And then I read the right. blurb, and I was like, "Oh, hang on, that's a that's like a super group." Uh, and Jess <laughs> is playing again. Like, oh man! So that was a—I mean, that was a wonderful surprise uh, as well, because cool. I wasn't no, that's great. aware of the the fact that you were a, a collaborating trio of people. Like, I wasn't aware of any of those lines. So that was just like a. That was great. And then, the you know, the performance was wonderful. That's so nice. I understand you're re recording an album. Um, mm -hmm. how, how did that go? Oh, my God. Uh, so wonderful. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I guess I've been, I've been solo now for quite a long time, which has been amazing and so much to learn and so much to, you know, there's a lot. It's, it's never, there's never a dull moment, which is another stupid platitude, but it's very true. But, uh, to then be back in a recording studio with two of my favorite people was like burst heart, heart burst. <laughs> so beautiful. And in, in this, uh, in this, the studio is so it's, I can't even, I don't even know how to describe it. It's in the middle of like a farmer's field, basically in Wales, um, studios owned by Thai Paul Sandra. And he is like, uh, he's like one of those people who just, um, can transmit. No, that's not the right word. He channels good creative energy. That's what I should say. He's just sits there and then good things can happen. <laughs> and, um, anyway, it was really, it was, it was wonderful. Oh, great. I can't wait to hear the output of that. I mean, I interviewed Massimo, I think a couple of years back and it was 
I was raving about that conversation for days because I think it was a lot of... Oh, yeah. He's so good to talk to. <laughs> man. I mean, I get the feeling that he could have talked for a long time about his experiences with the shamans and I could have asked, a, you know, a million questions. But, um, yeah, yeah, so wonderful. Yeah, he's, he's one of the best. One of my favourite peoples in the world. Uh, so yeah. we should move to the main portion of Crucial Listening, Jessica, which is... As always, I ask um, my guests to pick three albums um, that they consider to be important. Now, one thing I'm intrigued to know is how you found the process of picking those important records and whether there was any particular, Mm -hmm. I guess, um, tact you took for um, considering these records important. Well, let's see. I uh, initially I I find lists and favorite things so intimidating <laughs> that my that my first reaction to like I can't do that. I just can't do that. Yes, there's no way. I don't. I nothing that I have to say is important enough to consider three best or three most important. And so I almost didn't do it. I was like, nope. It's the <laughs> name of the game. Now engaging in challenges and for me it's very challenging to pick three things yeah uh, so i just sort of was like okay okay chill out doesn't have to be your favorite records there's no such thing as my favorite records doesn't have to be it's because it's very specifically worded worded as important so three important records and then i thought well um do should i talk about them now the the three records themselves you absolutely can yeah, yeah. well so i uh, let's see. I'm just going to think of a, maybe I can be long winded. Let me think of a not long winded way of saying, um, I picked the violin concerto, the Sibelius violin concerto, cause it's probably the piece of classical. I know it's not actually classical technically, but fuck that <laughs> of technical of, of classical music that I've listened to most probably. And, uh, I fell in love with it like hard, in my teens, I guess. And after having been making solo stuff for a while, whatever it is that I'm doing on violin, whatever it is that I'm making, um, I feel like I learn, I feel like I learn what I'm doing after I've already done it, as opposed to going in there with, uh, with really an intention. And after I have done all this stuff, I look at it and I think, Oh, I clearly like my way of expressing myself and telling a story is influenced by listening to things like violin concertos because they are not confined to repeating a verse or a chorus. They're not confined to anything really. I mean, they are in that there's usually four movements and there's a lot of that that I just sort of can put aside because I'm obviously not going to be part of that you know, as I don't know enough about it, but, but you can sort of talk with a, in a concerto kind of way, you can go places. And I guess that, um, I guess I have that in my, in my blood somehow or something that I, that I can talk, that I want to talk like that in long sentences, as opposed to repeated, um, as opposed to patterns that already exist, if that makes sense. And I guess that the Sibelius one is so descriptive, like it's so, it's such a story to me. And I think I really identify with that kind of expression, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so that was, that one, that one came as I knew, I was like, okay, well, how, how can I explain, you know, I, I have in my life, I've listened to probably more classical music than anything else. 
even though I don't listen to it much anymore there, the time when I was being most, when I was growing most as a musician, I probably listened as much to classical as anything else. And it's part of my childhood. And so it's really in me, you know? So do you remember when you first heard it or where, I mean, do you, do you recall the, the, your initial experiences of hearing it as a teenager? No. I do not. I don't. I don't. I remember listening to it like over and over and over again. I don't know where. Who, who, I have no idea. I don't know. How I encountered it for the first time. It's probably actually nothing special. I mean, I listened because I played violin when I was a kid. So I had a lot of violin in my life, violin music in my life. I probably heard it at some point and didn't sort of clue into how much I felt from it until I chose it again later you know like that's when you I just sort of I rejected a lot and just kept a few things and that's one of the things I kept I think it's more like that right um and it's interesting you talk about the um impression I guess that music like this um has on your your own relationship with quote-unquote writing music and making your music Mm -hmm. (laughs) um yeah as I was listening to, I mean, obviously throughout today doing um, research for this, I've been mm. listening back to to your album, and also I was listening to this, and um, mm-hmm. my experience with violin concertos is very uh, scarce. So maybe this oh, is good. just. <laughs> no, that's great. I'm so glad you could. This is a good, very good one to listen to, isn't it? Beautiful. <laughs> it's gorgeous, uh, and do you know what? As well, I think probably a lot of what I was really. Um, enamored with is probably stuff that's just inherent to the format of violin concertos so just the fact yeah. that yeah yeah exactly yeah you had like that shrinkage of the you had two to three minutes of just like pure violin solo and then suddenly just mm-hmm. a split second where the whole orchestra mm-hmm. comes in and it expands to that panoramic range and then it just shrinks again like yeah it's crazy yeah. <laughs> i know it's like no totally totally <laughs> I mean, he was like, I don't know, something about the way he wrote it. There's something so expressive. And in in some ways, yes, it's inherent too, but it's also something special about this one, I find, is exactly that, the relationship between the solo voice and everybody else. And and um, it's like a conversation in a, in a sort of very particular and special way, I find. There's quite, um, there's some bits as well, like these upward sort of, I don't know if arpeggiative is the right word, but like I don't either. Is... <laughs> we'll go with it then. Um, okay. Where it sound, it reminded me of the first refrain of Pools of Light. Just this sudden, like sweep oh, cool. upward. Um, yeah. With a sort of quite a vigorous as well bow, where you get the like the bite at the beginning and in quite a mm. pronounced and quite raw way. I was like, uh, you know, just listening to the work side by side. I was like that. my ears pricked up as soon as I heard it I was like ah you know that reminds me of that that's so cool and like I said like I I don't know if 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 it's some kind of subconscious mechanism that I have but I really don't know that stuff until later you know like I Mm. really don't find it and then I'm like oh shit (laughs) I I was totally influenced by this but had you asked me at the time like what are you working with like what are your ideas I would have said I have no idea you know I'm just doing what is in me I don't actually have any idea what this sounds like I don't know anyone else who's doing anything like this like I'm not trying for something I'm just 
doing the only thing I seem to be able to do, which is exactly this, you know, yeah. and then later realize, okay, there's no, there's definitely parts of that, you know, I'm definitely have it in me. So yeah, it's cool. But that's nice. If, if you hear it like a little bit too, that's cool. <laughs> do you, have you heard anything else by this Gil Shaham? Oh yeah. So, right. right. I specific, I specified Gil Shahan because, um, there's something about the way that he plays that I, I really relate to. There are some violinists that I don't know, some are more strident, some are more soft, some like to be more tough, some like to be, you know, and, uh, and so you can actually really prefer or not prefer, um, the way people play certain things. And so I've heard Sibelius played by many other violinists and preferred it less to the way that he does. But actually the first time I was introduced to him was um, because I was listening to Arvo Pert um, Tabula Rasa. And so he has a recording of that. And I considered putting that as the record instead of the Sibelius, but the, but I know the truth is I've listened to the Sibelius 26 million times and the Arvo Pert maybe only 1 million times. So. <laughs> I knew it was, was more true in a way, but, uh, but I was just like swept and I, and there's something about the way that he plays. And, and then I, I actually, as I was finding you a link for this, I noticed that he has, um, he has a record, a recording that where he does, I think that he was refers to them as Hebraic melodies. I'm not exactly sure. I just kind of passed it by and I was like, Oh yeah, of course, maybe that's part of what I relate to. Like he, he knows, He's, um, he must be Jewish and he must know about Jewish violin music, which is also in me and definitely influences and informs where I come from as a maker of music. So I think it's possible that I related to that without even knowing it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I'm so glad as well you sent across a video as well because that... yeah was great to watch um yeah i find the um conduct of classical as okay not classical fuck it as you say yeah, uh, we, we don't know what we're talking about yeah <laughs> <laughs> um the, the the whole conduct is like very specific and really interesting and um mm-hmm. i mean he's clearly giving it some you know like um mm. And then, yes. and then I found a, a later video of him, which maybe was uh, in the past few years, and he's yeah. just the most jovial guy, just smiling Aww. at the audience and the conductor, like just Aww. seems that's so, sweet. so endearing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, no, I, I, it's funny actually. I had, I don't, I mean, I kind of knew what he looked like, but I, when I was looking, I was going through how to send it to you. I thought, I, I, I that's how I found it, and then I looked, I was like, oh. I even can relate to that a little bit. He's sort of like all scrunched up in his face. Like he's not really a performer. He's not a virtuosic performer. He's more like he's just furrowed brow and sort of (laughs) I could relate to that. I'd love to hear your your second um, pick. There's this 
very particular type of music that I discovered very, very early on in Mount Zion touring. Um, there's a record store in Paris that we used to always get super excited to go to because this was pre everything always is on the internet. So you never have to look for anything. So we would go to this record store because they had, uh, they would put out like rare and rare recordings from music around the world. And at the time that was not something you could access very well. It was like very early two thousands. And, um, we picked up, uh, a few records this one time. And one of them was a compilation of Balkan folk music. And one of them was this record, which is of Albanian folk music, specifically Southeast Albanian folk music. And, uh, I debated again with which one to, sh to give, cause the compilation has so much beautiful music on it. And this is just one particular strain of what I was exposed to at that time. But, uh, can you believe what that record is called? I just had to, I had to put it, I had to put this first of all, because of what it's called. Cry you mountain, cry you fields. So beautiful. Yeah. And um, also because really like of all the things that I heard sort of for the first time in those, in those early days of touring, uh, the thing that sort of grabbed me and by the throat was this Albanian style of um, it's called, I don't know if I'm going to say it right. I'm going to try. It's called isopolyphonic singing. And it's, uh, it's a style of very close harmony singing that I think quite a few folk musics from the region make use of, but, and I'm really not a musicologist and I'm really not good at remembering particulars. So I'm not even going to try, but I know that there's, I know there's like choral groups um, from all over that region that sort of utilize this really close harmony singing. Uh, but the melodies that the Albanian folk music used and the way they sang it, I should have included a video on that. Actually, I'll, I will send you a video after we talk because there's a few videos of, of that kind of performance. That's like, just shows you the, they sort of have to stand really, really close together. And I mean, on this record that I sent, there's all sorts of different types of music. Well, I'm just, going to only talk about the choral music all the music is extremely beautiful and all the music uses scales that i don't understand but i find so magical and different from other things um anyway the way that this harmony the harmony singing and the types of i wish i had better language anyway the, i feel <laughs> like the 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 groups, they're together, and then there's there's drone singers, and then there's sort of melody singers, and the drone singers hold this very, like, beautiful, almost desperate drone, and the, the melody singers have this, I feel like they sometimes, they sing, and then they fall down in the melody, and then they come back, and it's like, it's like tumbling down, and, and uh, I don't know. I just find it so beautiful and moving and to watch them sort of huddled together to catch each other's incredible, like minutia subtlety of where their voices go and just traditional music in general, I find mm, probably the most beautiful in the world, just to think about how it gets passed and how it's sort of part of community gatherings and, you pass it on and I don't know. 
So I, I don't really have any particular relationship to Albania that I know of till I do my DNA test. Who knows? <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but, uh, but I really, I don't know. I find it some of the most beautiful music I've ever heard and it sticks with me. I don't listen to it that often anymore, but I think that I, I draw from it when I'm making my own things. I have that sort of idea that you can put notes so close together and they can just be like this soaring, beautiful thing, you know? absolutely (laughs) yeah i i do you know what maybe before you sent it through to me i wouldn't have known but um now i totally know because um Mm. this was amazing like i i had i've had such a good time and will continue to have such a good time yeah um and and i'm glad your 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 um focus is centered on the the choral stuff because i i think that's Mm. really what struck me as like oh man i wish i knew um the names of the pieces but there's one i've listened to yeah, yeah, yeah. so many times and uh, oh, that's it's, so cool <laughs> you're so happy <laughs> but there's Amazing. This, like harmony where um the the lower note is is sort of holding far, like a, mm-hmm. a fixed position and then the upper one um oh, i wish you could see my hands i'm doing what it's it was doing with my mm. hands but it's like closes down on yeah, top of that note and becomes it and it's like yeah yeah Oh yes. my word! It just yes, exactly. Oh. No, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Yes, that's exactly the moments I'm talking about. It's like a, some, it like blew my mind, mm. um, um, and exactly that thing of like this of I'm now doing it with my hands too. Anyway, ever, <laughs> anyone hearing this, go listen, then you can do it with your hands too. You'll know what we mean for sure, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, that's it. But that's it. That's it. Those are the moments, and I just like like it's it brings me to tears or close anyway. Just thinking. It's just there's so much mourning, you know, in um, in that kind of singing, but also so much sort of beautiful hope in uh, ensembles, basically, you know, on so like being together and making this thing together. And yeah, it's really the best. And I imagine as well, just like technically, just um, I think particularly where um, we're amidst the tradition where things run in parallel, I guess, a lot of the time, mm. just holding a particular note or just having a frame of um harmonic reference that um Mm -hmm. does that i mean it just seems like i mean i i just thought you know well i'm not a singer but if i was to try that i'd be all all over the place it's a really uh oh yeah no complex thing exactly it's technically it's technically yeah you have to be doing that for years before you can be one of those people that's another thing that's so cool about some traditional music is how serious it is you know you mentioned there may have been other records um you could have picked from this particular time where this music was featuring quite heavily in your life was there Mm. anything else um this is i guess more of a selfish question (laughs) that's like an avenue for me (laughs) uh, to where to go next (laughs) you know um that's it's funny because last night i was i was looking for the original compilation that we got um on that tour and i haven't yet but somewhere in the basement exists this cd because i couldn't i couldn't figure out how to google it um so maybe by the end of this day i'll go and see if i can find it and i'll send you it and you can put it up and i'll i'll have ideas amazing but um yeah yeah no there's so much there's so much beautiful but actually if you also if you want you google that 
isopolyphonic iso iso and then dash polyphonic singing and and you'll get all sorts of things um albanian and georgian and uh there's a lot there's a lot there If I could have your final pick, Jessica, that would be wonderful. <laughs> yes. It's like a, a small, a, a rare, little-known artist named PJ Harvey. <laughs> Um, no, you know why I picked that one? Actually, I could have I could have gone to a different part of the world. I could have like found us talking about another thing, like what we were just talking about. But the reason I picked that actually is because I don't know if this is common knowledge, but there's some like there's some uh, brain research that suggests that things that make a big influence on you musically, like just culturally, things that make a that mean a lot to you between the ages of 18 and 25. Or the things that basically continue to mean a lot to you for the rest of your life. Like you never have a relationship with art or music or literature the same that you do in those years. And it's kind of weird to think about that because it's true for most people. Like if you ask them, but what's your favorite band? You know, they'll pick something from within that time period usually. Or what's your favorite book? Or like, you know, when people are like, like oh, in the old and like in my time, they used to blah, blah, blah. It's usually things from that period, yeah. something about the brain at that time. So the reason I'm bringing it up is like, I definitely w- had that where I just sort of was hanging on to things in some ways, not even hanging on, but like I had filled up, you know, at a certain point I'd filled up the things that I love and I stopped actively searching the same way that you do it at those in those years, as I think a lot of people do, which is completely fine, but it just is what it is. But the first thing that sort of like, made me feel that way again after a long time was that record let england shake it was the first record that i listened to a million times you know <laughs> like the first and when i say the first record i mean the first sort of in the sphere like in pop you don't call it pop what do you call pj harvey who knows pj harvey yeah you know, she's in the world <laughs> you, she'll be reviewed in a in a magazine you know what i mean like the first sort of music like that, um, that I had been beyond stuff that I, I sort of was close to me for other reasons. You know, it was like the first thing that in the world in a very, very long time that I, that I was so excited by, you know, and, uh, I just thought I loved it in the way that I've loved records before, but I, but I heard things in it that I hadn't heard, but I was so excited to be hearing just the way, like her choices of moving from one chord to another, the choices of, um, and I know it's not just her. I know that part of the thing is that her coll- she chooses incredible collaborators and you can hear it, you know, hmm. um, but just like where she let her voice go, where, what she was singing about, the fact that she was singing about that, her country and how she felt about it was so literal in some ways. And she let the music be like kind of beautiful in a very simple way, but then also at other times challenging in a really complicated way and overlaying things on top. I don't know. There's a lot about that record. And I, I actually believe 
to be honest, the, the one that she just did, the Hope 6 one, mm. or whatever it's called, Demolition Project, had I heard that at the exact same moment, I might have felt the same way about it. I don't hear it. When I listen to it now, I'm like, nah, it's not as good. <laughs> Nothing's as good as let it, Nothing's as good as Let England Shake. Although I love, I have loved PJ Harvey from the beginning. Um, I don't know if it's just where I was at at that time, but I think like there's something about that record that's really magical. And still when it comes on, I get really happy and want to sing. It just inspired me that things in the world can still be that exciting. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, do you recall this one where you first heard it, or how? I'm, I definitely, I definitely remember Ephraim, who always heard everything before me. <laughs> was like, I think you're really. He was like, really thought I was going to love it, and so I definitely, you know, when somebody you love plays something for you, you're definitely listened to it with those kind of ears. Like if somebody had said, I really think you're going to hate this. <laughs> I don't know what kind of ears I would have heard it for with for the first time, but I definitely, so I listened to it in the spirit of, oh, somebody I love thinks I will love this. I will be completely open, you know, yeah. um, to, to be fair. Sometimes I would be presented with, oh, you're going to love this. I'd be like, oh, I really don't love it. So it's not that I don't have, it's not that I'm not extremely discerning, which I am. I don't <laughs> love like that very, very often at all. Um, but so it was presented to me, which was a very nice way to to hear it for the first time. Is all I'm trying to say. Yeah, this is a really interesting record, I think, to rehear for me because mm. it got recommended to me maybe about I don't know two years ago by someone who. Oh was, yeah. Yeah, um, and it wouldn't have been an album. I don't think I would have you know found otherwise. But my mm-hmm. friend was just like, I listened to it all the time there's not a time yeah. which i think is inappropriate for me to listen yeah, to this yeah, yeah, totally. is that what you have yeah. as well um i mean i i haven't listened to it in years but that's because i listen to it so much um <laughs> and so now it just sort of exists in me and i only have i can hear like one note of one of the songs and then i can hear the whole album in my head so mm. i don't actually need to listen to it anymore in a way but just today just before we spoke i was like what and then I just sort of skipped. I just put on one song in the middle. And it's like, yeah, no, I fucking love this record. <laughs> I just, I love the choices, the where everyone is sitting. I mean, where the instruments are sitting in space, where what, which instruments are chosen to translate that feeling and that chord and that, you know, yeah, I it's mean- is a very, a very big part of it. Well, because I I, re- I was reading about it today, and I understand that she just kind of went and was like, "I've got these chords, chord changes, and mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. know the uh, instruments that I really want to play them." Mm-hmm. And so, yes, the fact that all of that was, you know, relatively spontaneous is pretty remarkable, but I guess probably quite, you know, informative as well. I think so. I definitely there's something in there. Like I, to me, there's some kind of magic in there that is like beyond the recording practice or something like that. Like it sounds really good. The drums sound really good, you know, Mm. like it's recorded beautifully, but there, there's definitely some kind of looseness or some kind of spirit of like, what are we really going to do this? Okay. We're going to do it here. We're doing it. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Um, It doesn't sound like they worked on it for two years. It sounded like, well, let's try using it trombone here okay and so that's why i think you know picking collaborators is a large part of why that 
record is so good is who who is there to sort of take those chords and take those ideas and elevate them in that sort of odd way. It doesn't sound like anything else. No. It sounds like a strange ensemble of weirdos, like an auto harp, which is, I think, one of the most horrible instruments sounds so good it's like perfect couldn't be anything else but the auto harp that she uses on that thing yeah and really- I, I think as well like hearing it now um yeah as a a british person post like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah. you know because there's a lot lyrically of a lot of like you know for fuck's sake england you know, I want to yeah, yeah, exactly. love exactly. you. I, I can't. But also, yes. some of the more jarring instrument choices where, mm-hmm. you know, there's that on the third track. I can't remember the name. They've got the fanfare that kind of comes in at 100% a different key to everything yeah, yeah, yeah. else. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah totally. And I, I'm just like, at the time, I was like, okay, you know, I kind of like hear that, hearing that because it's kind of wonky. But now I'm like... This feels so right that she's got something which has a certain, you know, regal, patriotic edge that doesn't sit right now. Exactly. And- no, that's exactly it. That's like totally exactly it. Yeah. It's very. It's so emotive in that way. Exactly. And I, I think, I and you. That's anyway. Um, blah blah blah. Exactly. That's all I have to say. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's part of why that record's so incredible. Is is those or those choices, and why I I um, really I I learned from it. I grew from it. Or I, like you know, it actually became something really important. I think as like what's possible. What's possible within songs. Hmm. What's possible to make a record that still has the normal amount of songs. It's still the normal size. You know, still a vinyl. There's still side. There's. There's nothing on the surface about it that's unique, but there's so much unique within that structure. Mm. Do you do you have this? This could be a easy question or a torturous one, but do you have a favorite track? Um. Uh. Fuck. Uh, probably it's it's a boring answer, but I feel like I feel I have different favorites depending on how I'm listening or when I'm listening or if I haven't listened in a long time and I hear one for the first time I was like oh that's the one and then right. so no I don't I don't I don't actually have favorite tracks I love them all um that's the truth no uh, I, think... I have I have favorite moments and tracks but I don't have a favorite in single track mm. I think um w- one that's been uh, one that's got me going back into this record is um all and everyone I think mainly because I think out of, like, remembering that record from last time I heard it, the one thing I was aware and waiting for is how the brass comes in right at the end. Um, Yes, 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 yes. And it's a pretty gloomy thing to begin with. Yes. And then it settles and Mm -hmm. it's okay, but you you know what I mean? Mm, Of course I do. (laughs) (laughs) Silly question. I know exactly what you... No, it's not silly. It's a wonderful question because... (laughs) It's so nice. I I do know exactly what you mean, and that makes me happy. You know, yes, exactly. It's a really, it's really beautiful that mm. record. And and it was recorded in Dorset as well, which is um, where I lived up until yeah. about four months back, which is quite nice. Oh no shit! Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's a really nice place. So again, it's framed in that way, which is I'm going to listen to this a lot more now. Basically, I think is. You know, good. Saying, good. So yeah. You. No. It's a really. It's a really, really, really good li- record to listen to a lot. That's the beautiful thing. It's like there's so much to discover. You know.
Well, Jessica, this has been really awesome. Thank you so much for um, for sharing these records with me and for you know sharing a good hour with me as well. Um, people want to find out what you're up to. Mm-hmm. Where's the best place for them to be headed? Well, let's see. I have a website, although I'm not the best at updating it, but it has all the tour dates on there. So that's me, my name, .net. And also the Facebook, which I think is Jessica Moss Music, I think. it's uh, Anyway, I'm very findable. Um, <laughs> Constellation, Record, uh, Constellation Records has my tour dates uh, and stuff, news, blah, blah, blah. A pretty, it's pretty, it's not so hard. <laughs> it's not so hard to find me in places. <laughs> Great. I'll um, include all of that in the show notes. Um, and to cool. everyone listening, thank you very much for joining me, and I'll see you next time.